0: A lot of church websites, well, they're just not that great. That's what we're talking about on today's episode of Church Media HQ. So we've been talking about your website and all the different components that are essential. We've gone over a lot of content and for sake of time, I'm not going to review it because you can go back and watch the previous content that we've put out about it. Where we left off was the call to action. Now, the call to action. Uh, we were talking about the the top header, if you want to also call this the header, the top banner of your website. When someone comes to your website, the first thing you see, they should see, not a slider. You already know how I feel about those. Uh, they shouldn't see, uh, they, they really shouldn't even see multiple things. I, I've seen a lot of different ideas of what should be here, but the truth is, You really just need to have this one simple call to action section. And here is... Uh, and here's really uh, how that should look. So, again, this is where these nice images that you've taken come into play. You get some a nice image uh, as a background of this section, You know, pictures of people smiling. I will say, uh, I will make this quick note. If you want to include on this section something with a video background, that would be acceptable. However, before you implement a video background, make sure that you know how to format your video correctly so that it doesn't make your site load slowly because that is something that is crucial. In fact, I didn't even mention it when we were talking about kind of global rules early on. But uh, because, again, I think it's something that goes without being said, but load time is huge. Uh, If your website doesn't load within just seconds of people trying to access it, Many, many are just going to move on. And so the biggest hindrance to that can be a video background if it's not formatted correctly. And so if you know how to do that, go for the video background. I mean, I will tell you this. Uh, it needs to be short, about 30 seconds, no longer than 30 seconds of just a looping background. Uh, and there's all types of compression things you can do in you know uh, video encoders to, to make it work. Too much technical stuff to go into now. Uh, if you want more help on that, reach out. We'd love to. Uh, Uh, Work with you and see what we can do to help you with that. Uh, But uh, if you know what you're doing, go ahead, go for it. However, if not, then just use a nice image as your background. Now, what's on top of that background? Well, uh, this is where we get into the call to action section. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. A statement, a statement that connects with the visitor. And the statement should follow this formula. We do this for you simple as that. We do blank for you. Now it doesn't have to use that exact wording, but examples of this would be something like, we help you find hope. We help your family grow together. It really depends on your demographic, who you're trying to reach, uh, you know, who. Who you're trying to maybe target, again, your community, your, your local area there, as far as the demographics of community. But it needs to be something like that. It does not need to be something that uh, is centric to your church. Uh, it doesn't need to say uh, something to the effect of we have – we our church has existed for 25 years. Okay, that's great, you know, or serving your community for 25 years. That's not as bad, but it's still not great. It's still not ideal. Uh, people don't care about how long your church has been around. Uh, on sur- on the surface, they they really don't. Once they get more connected to you, they might. But but at first, first impressions that that just does not matter to them. You also don't want to be presumptuous. You don't want to say uh, that we are the church that loves its community. Well, I know that seems like such a small shift, but now that just became a statement of existence, a statement of being a statement of identity. Now your identity and who you are is really, really important to those on the inside. You need to have that, that defined and that needs to be clear. And if the statement I just made about you are a church that loves and cares for its community is a core of your identity. Great. Great. However, that's not what needs to be communicated because who you are is, of course, defined by what you do. And what you do is all that people care about and specifically what you do for them. So you just answer that question. We do this for you. I gave you some examples. You can pull from those. and uh, it, But it needs to be something that is centric to the person that you are trying to reach. So we do this for you. You can have maybe one or two brief sentences underneath that headline to give some context to that, but it's certainly not required. And if you're going to wind up writing way too much text, or if you're going to wind up taking it back to being centric about your church and you can't really write it in such a way to keep it, keep the person you're trying to reach at the center of it, then don't bother. Uh, But you could optionally have that. Then you want to have two things. You want to have two, what we call call to action buttons, A primary one on the left that seems to be more dominant uh, and a secondary one on the right that's not quite as obvious or or as dominant. It's there, but the one on the left is more dominant. And this is what, what you make this button is something that you think of it this way. If I could convince someone who just came to my website for the first time, if I could convince them to do one thing to connect with our church, what would it be? And this could be a variety of things. Uh, Something that kind of it used to be, um, you know, maybe uh, over a year ago uh, was, you know, visit us, join us for worship, uh, plan your visit. That would still be acceptable. Now we've seen a shift to this idea of church online being a more viable way of reaching people. So if you've chosen to maintain that approach, then maybe something more to the effect of, connect with us uh, as far that uh, connect with us or um, watch a service, join us online. Maybe that makes a little bit more sense for you to use it there. I, again, uh, it doesn't, it really comes down to what you, uh, what you believe that, that next step should be there. Or in this case, that first step for a person to connect with your church and don't be afraid to tell them what to do. A call to action should be imperative. It should tell them what to do. It shouldn't be passive. It shouldn't be something like learn more about us or about our church or whatever. It should be, no, join us, visit us online, watch a sermon, whatever it is, be imperative. Because people, at the end of the day, they have to, when they're told clearly what to do, they're more likely to do it. So that's the primary call to action, that number one thing. That's the first step. If I can get them to do anything to connect with our church, that would be it. Now, the secondary call to action, I look at it this way. That's where you might be a little bit more passive. That's where it's like, okay, well, I didn't convince you to do this, so let me tell you why you should. And this might be where you put something like, learn more about us or, uh, connect with us. Uh, again, that could be maybe interchangeable. I I know I did suggest that for maybe the primary, but this actually might be the better place for that. Connect with us. Um, you know, something, um, uh, like I said, a learn more button. It, It could be something really passive. Again, it's up to you, whatever you want it, uh, to be. Uh, but this is something that, uh, you are going to want to do and want to include. Again, if you can't get them to take the primary call to action, This is the button, and this is the call to action that explains why they should. So this is your call to action section. It's the most important thing on your homepage, and it needs to be the first thing that people see is that call to action. Now, this is kind of a bonus point thing, and it has to do with contact capture. A contact capture incentivizes a potential visitor to share their name, email, and optionally, their phone number on your website. So going back to these calls to action, everything I just said is great if you do not have a contact capture. However, if you're able to develop a contact capture, a place where you can capture the name, email, and so on, then this would become your primary call to action and your and your. And your, what was your primary call to action would become your secondary call to action and here, and we'll talk about why here in just a moment, but here, here is the way that you can capture this information. And here's why you should do it because once you have this information, you can follow up with them before they ever visit your church. Think of how many people are coming to your website. And think of how many people of those people are not coming to your church. Well, I mean, it, it statistically, if you have a lot of web traffic, statistically, it could be pretty low, the actual amount of people who are actually attending your church that visit your website. Something much more simple for them to do rather than attend your church being the next step would be to give them their con- your contact information. And you have to think of ways to incentivize that. Do not incentivize them by saying "subscribe to our newsletter." Nobody wants to read your newsletter, uh, and um, you know, or something like that. No, you have to come up with something that actually says, "You know what? My email address." Yes, it's something that commonly asked for. Anybody who does marketing asks for an email address because email is the most effective form of marketing. There are stats upon stats upon stats to prove that it's more effective than social media. It's more effective than anything you can think of, uh, in terms of billboards or uh, you know, print print marketing. or or anything like that, social media or, uh, sorry, (laughs) email capture is the most effective way. So you have to figure out a way to incentivize people. And they are expecting, they they might be half expecting someone to ask for their email address. You have to offer them something of value that's kind of worth the trade. Okay, I will give you my email address. Because what you have to offer is pretty good, not just, oh, newsletter, you know, okay, that's boring. Uh, You need to offer them something good. So here's a few ideas. First, um, if your church offers a gift for first-time guests, so... For people that are first time in your church, you say, hey, we've got a gift for you or whatever. Well, you know what you could do? One of the greatest things to do, and it really doesn't take much because you're already doing this, is you can just simply ask people to reserve their gift by entering their contact information. So uh, this. Is, so here's how this might play out on your website. You say, uh, hey, we, uh, we help your family grow together. That's your headline. Okay, now in that subtext, instead of providing the context – to your um you know to to that that uh, statement because that statement alone is probably sufficient you can't put something as up as go uh we've got a and we've got a free gift for you uh if you connect with us reserve your gift today they on that main call to action becomes reserve your gift they click it name email they type it in a message pops positive says thank you for reserving your gift we'll have it for you at so-and-so's location when you arrive to church so This is a very simple way to just implement, uh, a, a, to to implement one of these contact captures is to say, oh yeah, reserve my gift. They click it, name and email. And, uh, boom, now you've got their contact information. Now you can start to send them service reminders. Hey, don't forget church is Sunday at such and such time. Hey, uh, we, uh, we, we are so excited. Thank you for visiting our website. Uh, we wanted to, uh, uh, learn a little bit more about you. You know, let, let's connect. You could just start that assimilation process, that, that, that process of further getting them connected before they ever visit the church. Uh, and, and so you can do it through this reserve a gift. Another idea is to maybe prompt a visitor to plan their visit. Um, this is not quite as effective but it is possible. So it is something that if you've got nothing else, it's, it's it's something that is doable. So plan their visit and then, you know, you ask them for their name and email. And then a lot of times you just redirect to a page that says, hey, okay, here is what you can expect and whatnot. Again, not, not quite as effective, uh, but it could work. Another thing is if you've got some type of Uh, resource that maybe you've developed. Maybe you've got something uh, that like an ebook, something that uh, now again, uh, huge disclaimer, only things you have the right to distribute. Uh, don't just take random people's ebooks. Uh, if it's something that maybe you've written or or something that's original to you, whatever it may be. Um, but something like that, that's maybe a digital offering, a digital download, um, something say, hey, we've got this, uh, we've got this free resource for you and or for your family, whatever it may be. Uh, we want to give that to you. Uh, you know, click here and then they enter their their name and email all that. Um, look, it doesn't really matter how you do it. But I think this is something that's being really missed by the church world. Businesses are doing it nonstop. Businesses that know how to market and know how to um, reach people uh, for for their purposes, um, they are using email marketing. Churches need to do this well. And I will say this: churches that are doing well tend to be using email marketing, and they tend to be trying to capture people's contact information early on. Now. All of this with a massive disclaimer. Do not, absolutely, for no reason, do not ask for too much information. You do not want them to feel overwhelmed. And this really goes for whether it's that digital connection section here with the name and email, um, this this digital online uh, contact capture, or if it's your in-person contact uh, communication card that you ask for during service. I see this mistake all the time. Uh, this makes people when you're, they're asking for too much information, and it makes people feel overwhelmed. Um, and it can even seem a little bit intrusive. I mean, you think about what you see on these connection cards. I mean, you're asking for something, you're asking for kids' ages and names, and I mean, it could be really, really personal. And uh, you know, just because you put the statement or make the disclaimer that "oh, I'll only share what you're comfortable with" doesn't mean that people are comfortable with you asking. And so, um, at a uh, especially on the digital side of things, at a minimum, uh, you want to ask for their email. At most, you want to ask for their name, email, and phone number. And the sweet spot is often just name and email. Not first name, last name, spouse name, kids name, email. Not first name, last name, address, email. Phone. No, name and email. You say, oh, but there's so much information I want to get from them. We, we want. I understand that. But this is, if you've never heard the statement, it's just getting your foot in the door. You are just getting enough information to follow up. Because a lot of times one of the follow-ups can be, hey, we'd love to know what you think about our church. Or, or here's another one I've seen. Hey, you visit our website. Tell us what you think about our website. We want your feedback. And then you start to collect more data about that person. As you ask for more feedback, you ask a little bit more information about them. Maybe that's where you ask them about their phone number or the extra piece of information you'd like to collect. Whatever it may be. Um, that is reserved for later. At first impression, you need to be asking for nothing more. than I the name email, and maybe maybe the, the phone number. But I, I kind of regret even saying that because I think that's getting a little bit too much. So you want to ask them for a name and an email. never ask for any for, for more information. Never come across as intrusive because this can be a huge way that you, uh, you just kind of turn people off and turn people away. So ask for their information, but only the name and email. And if you're able to implement one of these contact capture sections, I, I, you will find it to be an invaluable um, aspect of your website because now you can connect with people before they ever set foot on your church campus. Now, the next thing that we're going to include on our homepage is our social connections in this, we want to encourage people to connect with you on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, and so on. Uh, So you've got 160 plus hours uh, that exist within the week outside of your services and other church programs. Social is where we can connect with people on a daily basis. So you definitely want to include that somewhere on your home page. Now, I'm not saying Now, I'm not saying it needs to be super dominant. It needs to be a massive aspect of your website. Uh, But it is good to include it somewhere on your site. A lot of times, if we go back to that contact capture, after they submit a contact capture, uh, they submit that form. You can have it uh, direct to a section or a chat that says, hey, thanks for connecting with us. Here, take the next step and connect it with us and follow us on social. Uh, but even if you don't do that, it's great to have it somewhere. I've seen social connections put somewhere, s- sometimes in the main menu, you know, kind of in the side of the main menu. Uh, I've seen it in the, in the footer menu. Um, or I've seen it, you know, somewhere along uh, in, in, in kind of the middle of the homepage, you know, kind of as its own dedicated section. Uh, it doesn't matter too well. Again, it doesn't need to be overly dominant and intrusive, uh, but it is is good to feature your social connections at some point on your homepage. Now, the next and the final thing to consider uh, featuring on your homepage is special events. Uh, When it comes to special promotions, though, you only want to display the next big thing on your homepage. Uh, And and you want to think about truly the next big thing. And we'll talk about what the next, truly the next big thing could mean. Uh, Any special events featured on your homepage uh, should have appeal to outsiders or be applicable to more than half of your church demographic. So that's what we mean by the next big thing. Just because you've got an event coming up on your calendar that's maybe for a smaller group of folks at your church uh, doesn't mean that it needs to be the next big thing. It needs to be something that appeals to outsiders. So uh, some activity I've seen before that I actually think is a great activity for people inside your church and people that are already connected is uh, some type of uh, church work day or or service project day where, uh, you know, volunteers come in and they help do things like, you know, clean up the property, pick up trash, you know, um, pull weeds, uh, you know, maybe clean up the facilities. I think that's all great and good. But I remember going to an old church website one time and that was featured as like a main event. Well, that's not going to have much appeal to anyone who's visiting for the first time. Remember, this all goes back to who we're trying to reach with our homepage, with our website, is uh, we're, we're trying to keep in mind that, hey, we only want to re- we, we design it for as if the only people visiting are people who have visited For the first time, that has got to be the dominant paradigm as we go through and make our uh, and design our website. So, when it comes to special events, here are things that are kind of always acceptable Easter, okay, Uh, Christmas, even Mother's Day. Uh, If you've got a new sermon series, uh, that's a great thing to feature. Uh, you know, Hey, we're starting a new sermon series. I think that is a fantastic thing. I've already talked about how I feel about sermon series and their effectiveness. Um, even some things like a baptism, for example, Hey, we're going to be baptizing when I'm a baptism Sunday. Uh, that can be something that is appealing to outsiders because they may say, Oh yeah, I've, I've never been baptized or whatever it may be. Um, and so these are things that you, uh, that are kind of always acceptable, sometimes acceptable, um, maybe a special kids event. It's if it's a particularly large kids event, that's designed for outreach, uh, you know churches that do some type of kids' camp or uh, day camp or vacation Bible school or something like that. Uh, that could be something acceptable that you um you know, make a big deal of your homepage. Uh, And you know, anything that's a, that you would say this, this event is outreach centric. It is, it is made to, it's designed to reach people outside the walls of our church. Uh, That's the kind of stuff that you want included. Stuff that's really never acceptable is things like small group Bible studies that again are only appealing to you know, certain uh, demographics and certain people in your church, you know, subgroups, if you will. Um, This isn't to say that you wouldn't want to ever feature your small groups program on your homepage, but it would be, hey, here's our small groups, uh, not here is this particular men or women's or whatever Bible study. Um, unless unless you happen to uh, be, yeah, and, okay, and I know what you're saying. Well, men and women, that's 50% of our church. Uh, what we're talking about here is things that are, uh, when it comes to, when we're not thinking about the gender aspect of it, things that appeal. It's really more about age groups Uh, that has a much bigger down future. So if you're, if you're reaching a lot of people uh, that are maybe uh, 55 or older, uh, and that really does account for more than 55% of the people you're reaching. Okay. Then you might want to feature some type of special program for uh, senior saints or whatever cheesy name you've come up with for your, uh, your program there for, for that age group. Um, Or likewise, if someone is, uh, if someone is um, reaching uh, – or, or I should say if someone is um, on the on the low end, I guess I should say. Like I said, if you're in a college community or something like that, then uh, you can reach those – you can advertise events that are designed to reach those people. So when it comes to those special events – you want to be very selective in what you include on your homepage. You want to make sure that it's outreach-centric and that it's about the people that are visiting. And another note, it needs to be something that makes sense, something that uh, appeals to the uh, the visitor. For example, I've seen this before, and some people really do, and I think it's fewer and fewer, but I have seen some church leaders, they're opposed Two, they don't like calling Easter Easter because it's got some type of non-Christian origin in that actual name. And whether that's true or not, uh, they want to use the term Resurrection Sunday. And, hey, look, my perspective – I would actually rather it be called that too if I could make it all about what I want because, yeah, sure, that's a little bit more clear as to what it's about from a uh, faith-based standpoint. However, uh, Easter is what it's called. That's what culture calls it. That's what they know it as. And so – Featuring Resurrection Sunday on your website is going to be a little bit confusing to people and they're going to think what is that? Believe it or not there are people who really they don't realize the correlation and if you're reaching unchurched people that shouldn't be such a bad thing because you're going to take them and you're going to teach them the truth. So that's just an example of you want to feature events that you uh, that that do appeal to a visitor to someone who's connecting with your church for the first time and you want to use terminology that is simple, just call it Easter, just call it Christmas. Don't try to get too creative and too out of the box when it comes to these things because at the end of the day, clarity is going to be king in these situations. So that's the homepage. We spend a lot of time there because the truth about the website is that 95% of people are never going to navigate away from that homepage. So we're going to put in our most time, energy, and effort. However, there are some secondary pages that are also included in this or that should also be included on your website, and we're going to talk about that more here in a, a in the next episode. But again, if you want to go ahead and get early access to this content, you can get it completely free. You don't have to wait until next week as we continue to discuss this. Simply head over to churchmediahq.com slash web. That's churchmediahq.com slash web where you can access the rest of this coaching content completely free. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Church Media HQ. If you haven't yet, I hope you will subscribe wherever you are listening to podcasts. And I do want to uh, challenge you. I hope that you found this content valuable. If you have, then share it with another church leader uh, so that they can be helped as well. Something as simple as just liking and sharing a video on YouTube and Facebook can actually go a long way. So I thank you in advance for liking and sharing and helping this content get seen by others like you. Church Media HQ is a production of the Must Increase Network. The show is edited and produced by Bo Snyder. Executive producer and host is myself, Luke Clayton. And until next time, I want to remind you, whether it's with your website or with something else, it's time for you to try something new. Why? Well, because it is so much better to fail at trying the incredible than to succeed at doing the average. We'll see you next time here on Church Media HQ.